getting lumped up with Rocker Mike and Rob Rossi. I'm getting lumped up with Rocker Mike and Rob Rossi. Well, I'm lumped up, but I'm okay. It's gonna get lumped up anyway. You better call back the posse. Just getting lumped up with Rocker Mike and Rob Rossi. Getting lumped up with Rocker Mike and Rob Rossi. Welcome, everybody, to Rock Show episode 179. Uh, we're continuing our May episodes of the Rock Show on country music. Uh, last week, two weeks ago, actually, was Hank Williams. And this week, we have George Jones, another very important uh, country pioneer. Uh, Rob, you know, G George Jones, to me, is is uh, the quintessential uh, country crying your whiskey you know, yeah. your, your girl left you for your best friend, your dog ran away, your truck doesn't start kind of fucking music. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> it, it is. And when you play it back, well, you get everything back. That's right. When you play this country music, everything comes back to you. That's funny. Um, I like George Jones. Uh, you know, it's just something about him. He was a bit of a tragic figure in a lot of ways. Like, you know, the thing with like even Hank Williams and 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 George Jones and several other Merle Haggard, Waylon Jennings, you know, so many of these guys were even like more rebellious than people that are considered rebellious, you know, like punkers and stuff like that. Okay. You know, punk rock bands and everything, you know, Sid Vicious and all that. These guys were like off the wall crazy. You know, George Jones is known for crazy erratic behavior from drinking. Uh, he also missed shows, like not show up. Yeah. Well, Hank Williams did that too. You know, yeah. they're just too lumped up to come out and play. And and I mean, Jones went years and years without ever doing a sober show. I don't. I, it's amazing. Okay. I mean, well, he had a much longer career than Hank. Yes, he did. Yeah, very much. Okay. And this, guy, and, this guy was putting song until almost the day he died. I John. Yeah, you know, and he had and he had several comebacks. Which yeah. is, you know, amazing. Um, I'd like to think, you know, he he passed away in 2013, but uh, I'd like to think that uh, he may have even gone like the Johnny Cash route at some point and teamed up with Rick Rubin. That would have been amazing if that would have happened, you know, and and just re reinvent yourself. But he, you know, he was a purist. Uh, he took his music very seriously. Uh, he was a tragic figure in a way. Uh, you know, between the drinking and the drugs and stuff, but and I think he lumped up Tammy a few times, right? Well, she in her book she says that he denied it, but he denied. Uh, it? I, I think the guy must have lumped up. Uh, you twice. know, I mean, you could you could deny things if you don't remember them. Because <laughs> he was drunk. <laughs> he was drunk. Yeah, I mean, I I I I've been there. I'd be like, no, that didn't happen. Oh well, yeah, you don't remember because you were wasted. Have you watched the um, Showtime um, George, George and Tammy, Tammy thing? Yeah, no. I haven't watched it either. I, I heard it's very good. I'm gonna I'm gonna make time to watch it soon. Somebody told me it's hard to get through that first episode. Like it's kind of slow, but they're building up a story. So I think it's what time, was that about six episodes or something? I don't think there's yeah, that something like that. Yeah, yeah. All right, so we got a long one today. I got almost 20 pages of notes. All okay, right, Mr. George Jones. It's gonna be a good one. Uh just jumping he right in. From humble beginnings. <laughs> very, very humble beginnings in Texas, southeastern Texas. Now he was born George. He he was born George Glenn Jones on September twelfth, nineteen thirty-one, in the Sarapoto, like Texas area. What's that? It sounds like a politician name. George Glenn Jones. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I will vote for George Glenn Jones. <laughs> Now, he was born in Saratogo, Texas, but raised in Colmesneal, Texas, with his brother and five sisters in what was called the Big Thicket region of southeastern Texas. I didn't realize he had so many sisters. He did. He did. Holy yeah. shit. Yep. Now, his father, George Washington Jones, worked in a shipyard and played harmonica and guitar, while his mother, Clara, played piano at the Pentecostal church that they used to attend on Sundays. Now, when George was delivered by the doctor, the doctor accidentally dropped him. 
okay, and broke his arm. All right, so what what a way to come out into the world. So when he was seven, his parents bought him a, a, a radio, and he heard country music for the first time. That was his very first experience with it. And he would often say that he listened to the Grand Ole Opry on Saturday nights, and he would ask his mother, if I fall asleep, wake me up, because he didn't want to miss anything. Okay. Uh, he would love to listen to Roy Acuff, uh, Bill Monroe, all those early country guys. Uh, Roy Acuff was a big influence on Hank Williams, too. We mentioned that the last show. Yeah. Um, George's childhood was really not an easy one at all. Uh, his father developed a drinking problem after one of his daughters, uh, Ethel, passed away at an early age. Wow. Uh, George Sr. often came home drunk with his friends. They were very rowdy and could be abusive to him, to, to George and to the other people in the family, including his wife. Wow. Uh, often in these drunken rages, George Sr. would demand his wife and George to sing for him. Okay, and this type of abuse you would think made him not want to sing, but it kind of in his mind it kind of made him want to sing even more. It, it just made him like in a situation where he felt he had to sing, that's what he had to do. Okay, um, his father bought him his first guitar at nine years old, and he learned how to play it at the church that he was attending. He often began what's called busking, which is basically playing on the street for tips. Uh, in the Beaumont, Texas area. Now, by the time he was 16, George left home and relocated to Jasper, Texas, where he sang and played on the KTXJ radio station with fellow musician uh, Dalton Henderson. He would later work at the KRIC radio station as well. Now, one afternoon while working on the radio, he met his idol, Hank Williams, and he later admitted that he was speechless couldn't say anything, uh, was totally nervous, but did get to meet him. Um, he also admitted that this happened at a time when he just was only listening to Hank Williams. It was like all he could listen to. Okay, so wow. he was obsessed with them. Now, Jones was briefly married to Dorothy Bonvillian, Bonvillian in 1950, but didn't, the marriage didn't last and broke. they broke up in 1951. Yeah, that's like a year, right? Yeah, last, less than a year, and then he would enlist in the Marines and was stationed in San Jose, California for his whole time. Never had to go overseas, luckily, in the Korean War. Uh, and then his discharge happened in 1953. Jones, in 1954, would remarry. Uh, he would marry Shirley Ann Corley. And in January of that year, he began his association with H.W. Pappy, also known as Pappy Daly, uh, who was a producer and manager for him for a long time. And he, this is when he got affiliated with Star Day Records. His first record for that label was the self-penned song, No Money in This Deal. It was recorded in January uh, of that year and released as a single in February. It was recorded in Star Day co-founder Jack Starnes' living room uh, and produced by Starnes as well. Okay, uh, Jones also worked at KTRM, which is now known as KZZB in Bo Beaumont, Texas. Uh, DJ Slim Baxter coined a nickname for George at this time. He called him George P. Williker Picklepuss Possum Jones. <laughs> <laughs> what a name. <laughs> yeah, now Slim, Slim, who was the uh, main DJ there, he, he thought with George's buzz cut that he had, and beady little eyes like a possum that he just resembled that animal. Okay. The possum nickname would stick for the rest of his life. People would call him possum. Uh, but George Jones time at star day records found him often being criticized for sounding too much like Hank Williams or his other hero, which was lefty Frizzell. Also the sound quality of these recordings were not that good. Uh, he didn't like them too much because they were recorded in a room that was really only soundproofed with eggshells, okay, eggshell cartons. Oh, okay. And uh, which is a way of soundproofing, but it's, it's not the best. Um, often they had to delay recordings because the, the, the house that they were recording in was right off the highway and there were a lot of trucks going by and it was very just complicated. So in 1955, while still recording for Star Day, 
George would have a number four country hit with the song Why Baby Why. Came out of nowhere, really, that Why he had this hit. He was also on the Louisiana Hayride show that year when he met Elvis Presley. And he also met Johnny Cash at that time. So these Hayride, these Hayride, they call them Hayride show, but they were just they were just show that would pop up, right? Was that like a venue? Or? It, it was a radio show that yeah. would feature up-and-coming country artists and ones that you heard of, but up-and-coming ones too. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of like the Grand Ole Opry in that sense. Yeah. But the Grand Ole Opry was way more like formal, way more yeah, serious. Yeah, because they're calling this the Hayride. Did they just meet somewhere and record the artist? I, I, I don't, it wasn't a Hayride. They just called it that. Okay. I know, I know. But I mean, yeah. what did they record it? Did they have like a thing, or they? Yeah, know? yeah. It was at a radio. It was at a radio station in Louisiana. Yeah. Okay. And they would, they would, you know, uh, if you remember Hank Williams, I think it, w it was in uh, Western Louisiana somewhere. Yeah. Uh, that, that had that Shreveport, maybe something like that. And usually, it was for people that. Not all the time, but it was for people that couldn't kind of make the Grand Ole Opry. You could get on the Louisiana Hayride, that kind of show. Okay. You know what I mean? Oh, so it's, um, like the, it's like the second tier, not the main tier. Kind of, yeah. Uh, it was, I wouldn't even say second tier. Close to close to equal, but just a notch below. Not a notch, all right. You know? So Jones would later get invited on the Grand Ole Opry in 1956, okay? Uh, during his time with the Louisiana Hayride, he did – develop a friendship with Johnny Cash. He said he didn't know Elvis that well, though. Okay, Elvis was, by 56, Elvis was going in a totally different direction. But uh, he became good friends with Johnny Cash, and he would remain that way for the rest of, you know, their lives. Now, with Elvis being so popular, George Jones was pressured to cut some rockabilly numbers, okay? Uh, he didn't really have his heart in it. He reluctantly agreed Okay, but he wasn't into this kind of music. He really was just traditional country. Uh, but later he would admit that he used the records <laughs> like Rocket was a Rock It R O C K I T. That yeah. was a that was a single. There was a song called Dag Gone and, and How Come It, something like that. And he didn't even put his heart into these things. And he said when he got the records given to him, he used them as frisbees. <laughs> he had no interest. He actually was was very much against it because I mean even though he did it he didn't even use his real name he used the name Thumper Jones yeah because he didn't want to have George Jones name attached to it um, and later on he would also attempt to buy the masters for all these rockabilly recordings because he didn't want them coming out at a later time but he was unsuccessful doing that and I guess they couldn't all be tracked down or and whatever and stuff would come out over the years uh, yeah yeah. Everybody knew it was Thumper Jones was George Jones. So in 1957, Jones switched to Mercury Records and teamed up with singer Jeanette Hicks, the first of several duet partners he would have over the years. He would have another top 10 single that year with the song Yearning. Sade <coughs> Records, who he was on before, actually merged with Mercury that year. And it allowed George, because they had all the they had all the rights to his music before yeah. it it allowed him to uh make a full album called don't stop the music i think you had that up there before for a minute yeah uh despite this newfound success george still toured local honky tonks okay uh in rural texas uh, despite having these top 10 hits he was playing small bars and stuff like that as well he often rode around in a 1940s packard with his name and number emblazoned on the side as advertisement. Uh, in, <laughs> well, one way to do it. Uh, yeah. In 1959, he had his first number one country hit with the song White Lightning, which ironically is a very rockabilly sounding song. Okay. It is very rockabilly. It, it was. Okay. And he had his name on that one. Okay. Uh, it's a song about drinking moonshine and bootlegging and all that stuff. That's that's how they get the. Did you know that that's how they get the the title Mountain Dew? Oh yeah. Okay, like Mountain Dew <laughs> was bootleg liquor. Okay, made up in the hills, you know, in the country areas, and he had they used to call it White Lightning too. Okay, so he mentions Mountain Dew in the song, which is funny, and then you know years later Mountain Dew would be a soda. 
still wow. today, you know. So the song itself, White Lightning, was written by somebody we know, uh, J.P. Richardson, also known as the Big Bopper. Yeah. Okay, the guy that did Chantilly Lace, uh, passed away with Buddy Holly and Richie Valens in that crash. That crazy um, crash. Crazy crash. Now, alcohol use for Jones at this time was starting to become a problem. Okay, uh, right around the time of recording this track. Uh, he was quite drunk when he recorded White Lightning, okay? In fact, he was so lumped up that rumor was he had to do 80, 80 vocal takes <laughs> to get it right. Okay. That's not good, man. No, that's not good, but it's a great song. And when you listen to it, you kind of pick up on it that he's a little wasted. Uh, now, even though his first number one was written by the Big Bopper, Jones was having success as a songwriter as well. Um, he wrote or co-wrote many of his biggest hits in this period. Uh, some of these became country music standards, such as The Window Up Above, uh, that was later a hit by Mickey Gilly, Seasons of My Heart, which became a hit for Johnny Cash in 1975, uh, Color of the Blues, later done by Loretta Lynn and Elvis Costello, who was a big fan of George Jones. Uh, Jones' most frequent songwriting collaborator, was his childhood friend, Daryl Edwards. They often shared a, a, a writing credit. Now, in 1962, George Jones would sign with United Artists Records and immediately had one of his biggest hits, the song, She, still, she Thinks I Still Care. Okay? His singing, great song. His singing uh, vocals were becoming more like a deeper tone at this time yeah. uh and that would kind of be where he would be at vocally for the rest of his career i think his much. voice changed a little later his, vo his voice deepened voice. his voice deepened around this time yeah. uh a lot of cigarettes a lot of booze you know whatever i'm sure that had something to do with it yeah. and sometimes that happens with people with age anyway okay um now, during this time with United Artists, Jones would record tribute albums to Hank Williams and Bob Wills, and he would cut an album of duets with singer Melba Montgomery, including the hit, We Must Have Been Out of Our Minds. It was, <laughs> it was at this period, too, that Jones was becoming known as a serious hellraiser uh, and a drinker, okay? Uh, often missing shows, often showing up drunk, uh on yeah, tour at this time yep a tour at this time he would have a backing group called the jones boys now there were many lineup changes of the jones boys over the years but some names like hank singer sonny curtis and johnny paycheck okay spent time as jones boys as well the famous johnny paycheck in 1964 he had a new contract with musicor records and for the rest of the decade, he would only have one number one hit, which would be 1967's Walk Through This World With Me. However, he owned the country music charts for the rest of the 60s with significant hits like Things Have Gone to Pieces, The Race Is On, I'll Share My World With You, A Good Year for the Roses, and If My Heart Had Windows. Jones' binge drinking and growing amphetamine use on the road caught up with him in 1967, and he was admitted into a neurological hospital to seek treatment for his drinking. Again, in those days, there were no rehab clinics and places like that, so you really just went to a hospital. That's it. Yeah, they didn't have like rehab like they do now. No, they have hospitals just for this purpose, but back then... Yeah. You know, even into the 70s, they didn't have stuff like that. Sometimes you went to a, a psychiatric hospital. Okay. Yeah. That too. That happened at Alice Cooper. Okay. Yeah. You know, now um, Jones was known to go through extreme lengths to get his liquor if, he, if none was available. And uh, there's <laughs> an infamous story, okay, that, you know, I guess it's partial urban legend, but I think it is based in fact. Okay, uh, his second wife, Shirley, got rid of all his booze and didn't want him drinking. And he lived about eight miles away from the, the closest liquor store. So she took his car keys away so he couldn't go to the liquor store. Um, he was looking around, couldn't find the keys. Looked in the backyard 
and there was his lawnmower, one of the types you ride. So that's what he did. The keys were in it. He got it. He got in his riding lawnmower and, and got in <laughs> and got in and drove eight miles at five miles per hour to to the, to the liquor store. Okay. Uh, his wife at one point, right after he got there, realized what had happened and showed up, and uh, quite a scene ensued there. Okay, you know, she said he said something like, uh, "Oh, here's my wife. You know, she's gonna kill me." Something like that. Okay. <laughs> now, um, the incident became a popular story in country circles, and later on, George Jones would parody the event in a Hank Williams Jr. video called "All My Rowdy Friends Are Coming Over." I think in the video, like you see him riding on a lawnmower. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the the part of it that becomes a little bit of urban legend is that his next wife, Tammy Wynette, would actually in her 1979 autobiography say that that happened to her, even though it supposedly happened to his other wife, Shirley. Okay. So I don't know, but, um, that's a that that book is called Stand By Your Man. It's her autobiography, and it's it's a very good book. Now, uh, I think it probably happened more than once. You know, <laughs> it happened more than once. They, they probably just, did. You know, they just took all the liquor out of the house. Like this motherfucker's gonna get lumped up. He's gonna, he's gonna get on the gonna get on the lawnmower. Just drive. To <laughs> that's that's a story. Where there's a will, there's a way, right? There's always a way, especially if you want to get that boost, you'll find a way to do it. You will find a way to do it. I mean, you know, remember The Lost Weekend? That's a great movie. Yeah. All, the length, all the lengths he goes to hide the bottles and all that stuff, you know. Anyway, um, speaking of Tammy Wynette, and you can't talk about George Jones without Tammy. Uh, he, he became aware of her in 1966 because their tours were booked by the same agency. Mm. And their paths often crossed on tours. Uh, Tammy also had her first minor hit in 1966 with the song Apartment Number no. 9, which was co-written, I believe, no, written entirely by Johnny Paycheck. Uh, Wynette was married to songwriter Don Chappell at the time. Wow. Uh, and Chappell was also an opening act for her at the time when she would play. The three of them, Chappell, uh, Wynette and Jones became fast friends, okay? But not too long after George Jones started to kind of have feelings for Tammy, and she was about 11 years younger than him. Story goes that uh, everything kind of came to a head one night when he was over their house for dinner, and Don and Tammy started having an argument in the kitchen. And he, you know, Don Don called his wife a bitch, something like that, or wow. son of a bitch, something like that. And George flipped out, threw the table over, all the dishes and food went flying, and he confessed his love for Tammy right there. And they were shocked, okay? So, but what happened was by 1969, uh, they would get married. Okay, she would divorce Chapel and, and go with and go with him. Okay. Sounds like a very fiery relationship, right? To start with, yeah. you know. And it's it was. Almost, wasn't didn't um the other guy Hank Widow did the same thing, but he put out a gun at the guy. Yeah, that's right. But that wasn't to get married, but he would he would marry that woman yeah. later. Yeah, yeah, that's true. He pulled a gun, he said she's my girlfriend now. This guy yep. just told that he loved her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he confessed his love. Now uh, they would marry in 1969, like I said, and they began touring together at that time. And Jones would buy out his contract with Musicor so he could start recording with Tammy and her producer, Billy Sherrill, on Epic Records. That's what she was signed to. George had split recently with Pappy Davis uh, as his manager after many years. Uh, by the early 70s, George Jones and Tammy Wynette became known as Mr. and Mrs. Country. Mr. and Mrs. Country Music, I should say. Yep. Now, they had scored several hits, including We're Gonna Hold On, Let's Build a World Together, Golden Ring, which is one of their best, uh, Near You, and We're Not the Jet Set. Despite his love for Tammy Wynette, George's drinking did get worse. Okay, that's their daughter right there. 
in that picture. Um, in October 1970, shortly after the birth of their only child, Tamala, who you saw in that picture, uh, her name was Tamala George Jett Jones. Uh, Jones was then straight jacketed and sent to a padded cell wow. at the Watson Clinic in Lakeland, Florida, after a seriously drunken bender. He went nuts. Okay. He detoxed there for 10 days and was released with a prescription for Librium, which is, I think, a, an early antidepressant or something like that that they yeah. did out. Uh, he would enjoy some long periods of sobriety while married to Tammy, but as the decade wore on in the 70s, his erratic behavior and binge drinking would get worse. Okay, uh, It led to the couple's divorce in 1976. Now, after Wynette's 1979 autobiography, like I mentioned before, was released, she claimed in the book that he beat her and did that often and once even pulled a shotgun on her. Now, Jones vehemently denied this, but he did blame himself for the breakup of the marriage. But he also could have been so freaking drunk that he didn't he know what remember. He was doing. Yeah, I mean, who knows, okay? You know? Now, even though they divorced, uh, the couple did perform together at times, which when that happened, fans would kind of see how their songs mirrored their relationship. Yeah. Okay, because some of the songs were about having problems in the relationship and things like that. Uh, in 1980, they recorded the album together again and scored a hit with a song called Two Story House. Jones often spoke publicly about wanting to reconcile with Tammy, that he wanted to get back with her, but never would happen. Uh, sometimes he would also joke on stage uh changing the words of songs around like one song called if drinking don't kill me her memory will he would change it the song called you know if drinking don't kill me tammy's memory will <laughs> he would sing that <laughs> now they would snipe sometimes back and forth on stage and you know they finally by the 1990s they did appear to be at peace with each other and whenever they did perform uh the last time would be uh, a song, uh, an album, actually, they would make in, in 1990. I'm sorry. Uh, yes, in 1990. Uh, uh, an album called One. Okay. Uh, and they would still go on tour together until Tammy passed away, uh, sadly, in 1998 at a young age. Um, Jones pairing with producer yeah, she, Billy She Sher wasn't very old, right? No, she was like... Uh, I think she was about 55 or six yeah, when she passed away. Young. Yeah, she was still very young. I, I remember that. That was very sad. Now, Jones pairing with producer Billy Sherrill at Epic Records when he, when he hooked up with Tammy uh, came as a surprise to many people because Sherrill was known more of like as a, a pop, pop country producer. Okay, um, which was a far cry from what George Jones was. George Jones always thought of himself as like a roots country type person. Uh, the combination of Cheryl and Tammy gave George Jones his most successful period in the 70s. Uh, often, though, with his drinking in the studio, things would often be difficult and spiral out of control. Cheryl had his hands full with him. Okay, uh, but... They were a great team. Now, in the late 70s, George's new manager named Shug Baggett introduced him to cocaine. Oh, no. A hell of a drug. Right, hell Rob? A hell of a drug. Okay. Uh, basically, it was because he introduced it to him because he was about to go on stage and he was really too tired to perform. Oh, so uh, he gave him a little... Gave him a little toot and that got him going. Okay. But what would happen is as he with everything else he did to excess and the drug was starting to make him paranoid. He was already paranoid when he was drinking. He was yeah. making it worse. Okay. Uh, there would be a lot of incidents in the seventies uh, with him involving guns, uh, lawsuits. Okay. Uh, at times he was actually broke. Okay. Especially after leaving Tammy when they would bring yeah. up. 
Um, Johnny Cash and Merle Haggard, who were good friends with him, came to his rescue on more than one occasion. Um, in 1978, he owed Tammy $36,000 in back child support. That's crazy. Claimed, which is a lot, a lot of money back then. Yeah. And he, he claimed to be a million dollars in debt altogether. So he declared bankruptcy at that time. Um, by 1979, George was totally broke, declaring bankruptcy and living in his car. All right. And he had dropped his weight down to under 100 pounds. Oh, man. So he was some bad times. Yeah, yeah. Very bad. Now, Willie Nelson and Linda Ronstadt would come to his help with a new album, okay, uh, that they wanted to record with an all-star cast with him, okay, uh, including Elvis Costello, who was, who was showing a lot of interest in, in George Jones at that time. Uh, it took two years for them to make this album, all right, to complete it because he was in such bad shape and unreliable and sick and, you know, problems. The album was called My Very Special Guests, and it was a, it was a success. Uh, Jones would enter Hillcrest Psychiatric Hospital in Birmingham, yeah. Alabama. Uh, upon his release in January 1980, you know what the first thing he did was? Got a six-pack. Got a six-pack. <laughs> I guess that rehab did not stick. Sometimes people go and they do good, and sometimes people go and they, they come out worse. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know what they, how they handled things back then in a psychiatric hospital. You know, like what were they, what were they giving you? Just keeping you sedated for 10 days or something? I, I guess I so. They probably gave you pills so you stop yeah. drinking or something. So you don't have like the DTs and everything, you know? Yeah. Now, by 1980, George Jones had not had a number one single in six years. Uh, some people kind of wrote him off. They said, ah, he's never going to be what he was. But in April of that year, he shocked the industry with the number one single, which is one of his greatest songs, called He Stopped Loving Her Today. That's a great song. Right, right. And uh, shout out to Scott the Clown, who loves that song. We talked about that. <laughs> Not too long international. Okay. Uh, it topped the country charts for 18 weeks that year. It's number one. And the wow. song was written by Bobby Braddock and Curly Putman. It tells the story of a man whose woman leaves him and he vows to love her, only her, until he's dead. Okay. The song is sung from the perspective of a friend of his. And, you know, when listening closely to the lyrics after a minute or two, you realize that the man, his friend, is dead. Okay, because he's saying, like, I've finally seen him smile after so many years. And he's dressed like he's about to go away. And we put a wreath on his door, okay, and stuff like that. And you realize that he's finally at peace because he's dead, okay? And the woman of the song, okay, that he loved goes to the funeral. She showed up at the funeral, okay? Yeah. So it's just one of these crying your whiskey songs – I, I said to Scott the Clown that day when we were talking about it, I said, you don't have a soul if you don't, like, cry at this song. It's like, you know, it's just like it, it tears at your heartstrings, okay? <laughs> I think it's one of the saddest country songs ever written. It is know? a sad song. You know, and uh, it's a classic. It's considered a classic. And uh, it's one of his most famous songs. Uh, he originally hated the song, George Jones. He, he didn't want to do it, okay? It's crazy. Uh, it was such a it was such a classic. He felt song. he felt it was too sad that no one's oh. gonna like it. Okay, but but obviously he would admit not too long later that it helped revive his career. Uh, he would admit to that. He earned a Grammy that year for male country vocal performance. That was 1980. Uh, it also became the Country Music Association Song of the Year for 1980 and 1981, which you don't see that happen too much. The success of He Stopped Loving Her Today led CBS Records to renew his contract. He was also the subject of uh, a documentary on HBO called George Jones with a little help from his friends. In the documentary, he performs with Waylon Jennings, Elvis Costello, Tanya Tucker, and Tammy Wynette as well. Uh, Jones... Outlaw country ways that he had uh, continued 
despite this new success, uh, he was still using Coke and drinking excessively. Okay. Uh, on, on some award shows, he was obviously lumped up. Okay. On stage, uh, very inebriated. He was also involved in several high speed police chases, including one arrest that was filmed and shown on national TV. Oh man. And you can see this clip. I believe it's on YouTube and he gets yeah. in the car. He, he pushes the cameraman and gets in his face and everything. Okay. Now he continued having some more hits through the early eighties, including the song. I'm not ready yet. Uh, same old me that was backed by the Oak Ridge boys. Uh, still doing time and Tennessee whiskey. That's a, another one of his best. Tennessee whiskey. Uh, Right. Now, the single I Always Get Lucky With You was his last number one hit, and that was in 1984. Wow. Now, in 1981, going back a couple of years, uh, he met Nancy Sepulvado. Uh, she was a 34-year-old woman from Mansfield, Louisiana, and she began to have a very positive impact on George. Uh, it really can't be overstated how much of an effect she had on him. Uh, she took over his finances. She took over his career, managing his career, and kept drug dealers away from him. Actually, yeah, it actually got her jammed up because drug dealers supposedly kidnapped her daughter at one point. Oh, I don't know all the details of the story, but uh, it was in retaliation for what she was doing for George. Um, she didn't drink herself. But she could see how alcohol was, was killing him. Uh, she saw the good in him, uh, that he was a good guy. And Jones himself always gave her credit for saving his life. In March 83, after a drunken rampage, Jones was sent to Hillcrest Psychiatric Hospital once again. Huh. But this time, he really did want to quit. Uh, so in March of 84, one year later, he performed his first sober show in over a decade, he was age 52. Mostly sober for the remainder of the 80s, Jones consistently released albums produced by Cheryl, uh, albums such as Shine On, Jones Country, You've Still Got a Place in My Heart, Who's Gonna Fill Their Shoes, and Wine Colored Roses. Uh, the, all these albums got much critical acclaim and and some commercial success as well they they really kept him going uh wine colored roses was also a personal favorite of george jones one of his favorite albums of his long career <clears throat> he would win a cma country music award for video of the year in 1985 with the hit who's gonna fill their shoes uh billy Sherrill actually makes a cameo appearance in that video as a bus driver <laughs> In 1990, Jones released his last proper studio album on Epic uh, called You Ought to Be There With Me. Or you, excuse me, You Ought to Be Here With Me. Uh, the album featured the single Hell Stays Open All Night. Uh, the single didn't do what that well, and Jones would jump over to MCA Records, ending his relationship with Billy Sherrill, who was associated with Epic, uh, and was now... Um, you know, uh, Epic had been bought up by Sony, okay? So for after 19 years, he was off that label. His first record for MCA was 1991's And Along Came Jones. The album was highly promoted by MCA and did much better commercially than the last one on Epic. Uh, however, country music tastes had changed, and the two singles released failed to get much radio airplay. Uh, Jones was inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame in 1992, and at the ceremony, he was inducted in, into the hall by Randy Travis. In 1996, Jones released his autobiography called I Live to Tell It All, a book he wrote with Tom Carter. Many tales were told in that book, and it sold oh well. God. Now, a whole chapter of the book is dedicated to how the industry had changed and they didn't play his music on the radio anymore. How, you know, it was all about country pop, which was something he was very much against. Uh, he was one of the major backers of what was called the Association of Country Entertainment. That was a group um, that was dedicated to promoting traditional country music. 
uh, and that began in 1974, his association with that group. Um, despite the lack of radio airplay, superstars like Garth Brooks, Randy Travis, and Alan Jackson often paid tribute to Jones's music. On February 17, 1998, the Nashville Network premiered the Jones Jones Show with Jones as the host. The program featured informal discussions with Jones kind of holding court talking to these people. Uh, guests included Loretta Lynn, Trace Adkins, Johnny Paycheck, Merle Haggard, Charlie Pride, Bobby Bear, uh, among many others. Now, a popular song by Jones in the late 1990s was 1999's Choices, which is, I think, one of his best songs as well. Uh, it's kind of a song about, you know, he's reflecting on his life and saying, you know, I had so many choices, I didn't, I didn't always make the right ones. Yeah, because man, the way he lived his career, he was definitely he definitely lived an outlaw life, just like uh, Cash and um, and Roy Jones, you know, Hank Williams. Yeah, uh, yeah. and that's that's why I, I feel that uh, just to get off topic for a second, but but I feel that you know some of these country artists we've talked about and albums and stuff we've talked about during the rock shows i think i think it's important to lump these people in because you know a lot of rock musicians listen to country music and and george george jones is one of these guys that they, yeah. they're listening to you know if i mean perfect example would be I, I, you know keith richards i guess okay you know when the stones i mean they have their own country music which is more country than some country people yeah <laughs> you know but I, I think it's important to recognize the Hank Williams and the George Joneses and all that. Even the women, Tammy Whitehead, Tanya Tucker, people like that were, were yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, and I'm talking the real shit, not the Taylor Swift stuff. None of that, okay? Yeah, they were, those people were pioneers, you know. They're the one that started the whole country. Because country had, like, had like a weird thing because it was very popular because they had tried 100 country um, radio station in New York. It never flew, you know? WHN, I remember that. Uh, 1050 on the AM dial. I remember yeah, that. Yeah, and then it, was, it changed, then it came back, then it left. Country yeah, music country music crazy. never never has any success in New York where you know where we grew up. Uh, it's amazing. You, you know, you drive around the rest of the country. Okay, there's always country music stations. You don't have yeah, to go far. Not here. No, no not, not in the Northeast, but no. you get out of here, you, you hear it, you know. Now, um, uh, like I said, choices he would get a Grammy for that song for Best Male Country Vocal, 1999. The Country Music uh, Association invited him to appear on their award show, but asked him to perform an, un an abridged version of that song. But Jones refused and was so angry he didn't attend the show. Uh, another performer who was on that show named Alan Jackson in protest performed part of the song choices when his band was on. Okay. And bad decision-making by the country music association. I think, you know, now on March 6, 1999, Jones was involved in an accident with an SUV near his home. He was hospitalized for two weeks in May. He would plead guilty to DWI charges related to that accident. Uh, the accident, however, put the fear of God, into George Jones. He would release the gospel collection in 2003. Uh, Billy Sherrill actually came out of retirement to produce that record for him. He gave up drinking and smoking. Wow. Okay. And in 2003, he also saw his appearance at a Johnny Cash tribute show in Jonesboro, Arkansas, where he sang Big River, Johnny Cash song, with Willie Nelson and Chris Christopherson. Uh, that was when Johnny Cash passed away in 2003. Uh, he would receive the Kennedy Center honor in 2008. Rolling Stone magazine had named him number 43 in their 100 greatest singers of all time wow. uh, issue. Okay. He released an album of outtakes called hits. I missed and one I didn't, which also included a new version of he stopped loving her today. He really, he really, <laughs> in 2012, he would receive a Lifetime Achievement Grammy Award. Wow. Now, on March 29th, 2012, George, George Jones was taken to the hospital for an upper respiratory infection. In May, 
he would be rehospitalized for the same thing uh, for five days. On August 14, 2012, Jones announced his farewell tour. It was dubbed the Grand Tour with scheduled stops in 60 cities. Grand, the Grand Tour was also a name of one of his most famous songs. Uh, his final concert was in 2013 in Knoxville, Tennessee at the wow. Knoxville Civic Center on April 6th. Uh, he was scheduled to perform his final show at the Bridgestone Arena in Nashville on November 22nd, 2013. However, on April 18th, 2013, Jones was hospitalized for a high fever and a very irregular blood pressure. Following six days in the ICU, George Jones would pass away on April 26th, 2013, at the age of 81. Uh, at his funeral, former First Lady Laura Bush eulogized him. Uh, that was on May 2nd, 2013. Other speakers included uh, some local politicians and famous country artists like Alan Jackson, the Oak Ridge Boys, and Charlie Daniels. Yeah, huge, yeah, yeah, exactly. The huge service was actually broadcast live on CMT, GAC, RFD TV, the Nashville Network, and Family Net, as well as Nashville stations, uh, Sirius XM, XM had it, uh, WSM 650 AM, which is the home of the Grand Ole Opry, broadcasted the funeral on the radio. The family requested all donations to go to the Grand Ole Opry or the Country Music Hall of Fame and Museum. Jones was buried at Woodlawn Cemetery in Nashville, Tennessee. His death made headlines worldwide, and country music stations modified their playlists and played George Jones sets throughout the day. Uh, the week after his death, he stopped loving her today, re-entered the country charts at number 21. That's pretty freaking amazing. Yeah. What an amazing, amazing career. But man, that's, I didn't realize how many times he went to rehab and how much alcohol he had. But the the, 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 the story with him taking the lawnmower. <laughs> the track, Legendary. That's just great. Yeah. I mean, that's, you got to love it. I'm liquor stuff. Taking it. I, you won't give me my car. I'll drive my lawnmower. I wonder how long it took him to get to the store. They said it was over an hour. The thing only went like five miles an hour, and it was, it was eight miles away, so it had to be an hour and a half or something to get there. Yeah. <laughs> imagine, imagine driving down the street and seeing George Jones on his lawnmower. I mean, somebody had to pass him on the road. Yeah. He's like, hey, is that John Jones? Is that George Jones driving his lawnmower? No, it can't be. Yeah, it's tractor to get liquor. <laughs> I wonder oh, how they got God. it back. He, uh, yeah. Did, did somebody it drive it back? <laughs> I know, but I think his wife found him, right? That's what it was. Yeah, but I mean, unless she had a truck or something to put it in, it wasn't, you know, you can't lift yeah. those things. They're heavy. Oh, my God. That's great. That's great. No, but, I mean, he had a long, long career, a long life, uh, definitely not a boring life. Yeah, he lived to excess. So do a lot of people. Okay, yeah. they, don't, they don't have the success that he had. Uh, I think he's one of the greatest, just artists in general, uh, yeah. you know, songwriters, singer-songwriters. Uh, and in the country genre, genre, he's, to me, he's like in the, the top, best. Top, Number one. Top, top four, you know. Wow. You John, you know, Johnny Cash, you got him, you got Hank Williams, you know, and then you could talk about maybe Merle Haggard, a couple other people. Yeah, you know, but, but he's he's got to be in the top three or four. George Jones, absolutely. Yeah, and he sold a lot of records too. Yeah, he's definitely up there. Um, the with the four top uh, country music, he he's either going to be one or he's going to be like two or whatever, you know, because he's definitely up there. Yeah, and you know, I think he might be the top, you know, because he was, was he, also he, very. Well I don't known. know if he's. I don't know where he stands in record sales. Uh, I don't think he's the greatest country selling country music artist ever. Uh, you never know. Some of these new guys today might might have eclipsed George Jones, uh, oh, yeah. only because only because of the way that it is today. But yeah. uh, I don't really know the answer to that. But um, I just know that as far as being influential, there's really very few people that are yeah. close to him. You know. So, and a shout out to Doc Holiday's bar down on uh, Avenue A and 9th Street because they got like 
a bunch of George Jones CDs. And oh they yeah, they got a bunch of it. They got a lot of this song. You hear this song? Um, not loving me today, anytime. He <laughs> stopped loving her today. I've heard that in there. Yeah, you, you'll be dead. I don't know where that song coming. You're like, where? Who would play this? <laughs> yeah, who played? Yep, yep. Well, you know, whoever played it's the guy crying into his whiskey at the bar right there. Just <laughs> look for that guy. <laughs> Might be me. You never know. <laughs> All right. So with that, <laughs> with that, oh, we'll end the show. Another good show, Rob. Thank you. Yeah. Man, those stories that you told were fantastic. I never realized he had such a drinking problem. Like, yeah, it was legendary, man. I mean, he was known for that, you know, yeah. showing up drunk and everything. But where can we find you, Rob, on social um, media? You can find me on any social media platform, Facebook, uh, Twitter, um, Instagram, uh, Getting Lumped Up. And um, and uh, you can find me on the uh, Rock um, the rock Show um uh, what you call it? Um, Facebook fan page. Uh, we, right, we the got a lot podcast group page. Yeah, it's a lot of people there. Yeah, and they changed it a little bit. They want you to start a chat now, something like that. I saw that. I, I didn't really have an interest. Yeah, Facebook is always doing something new. I, I don't care. Yeah, but uh, when you looking for you, Mike? If you're looking for me, I'm uh, Facebook under Rocco Mike. Okay, because they won't let me be Rocker Mike, but Rocco Mike. Uh, very active there. Also, the Rock Show podcast group page with you on Facebook. Um, you can find me on Instagram under Rocker Mike 212. You can find me on Twitter under Rocker Mike 212. You can find me under Rocker Mike on Parlor, MeWe, True Social, Getter, anything else. Just look for Rocker Mike, Google that shit. You'll find me my, with my face made for radio somewhere. <laughs> Yeah. All right. All right. On that note, remember, don't get drunk. Get lumped up. See you soon. Take care, people. I'm getting lumped up with Rocker Mike and Rob Rossi. I'm getting lumped up with Rocker Mike and Rob Rossi. Well, I'm lumped up, but I'm okay. Just getting lumped up with Rocker Mike and Rob Rossi. Getting lumped up with Rocker 